to the Dunker Punks podcast. I'm your host, M. Gresh, and I am so excited to be working on this episode with Jennifer Sumi because the camp she now serves is the camp where I spent my middle and high school years living at. Jen has been serving at Camp Mardella since 2020, and boy have things changed since I lived there. Navigating the pandemic has left our camp administrators with new insights into how and why camp is so meaningful to our campers. Camp Mardella has a special place in my heart, but I'm sure we all have memories of camping. The outdoors, the smell of trees and plants, never knowing when you'll encounter wildlife, and especially learning about God. I'll let Jen tell you a little bit more about herself and her work at Camp Mardella. us have memories of camping. Maybe you remember the first time you went to camp. With fear and excitement, you stepped into your cabin for the first time, claimed your bunk, made friends with your cabin mates, and buckled in for a week of fun, adventures, challenges, and faith. Maybe you remember that one crazy week of camp when the power went out, or when you shot archery in the pouring down rain. Maybe you remember the lessons you learned, simple lessons like Never leave your snacks in the cabin, unless you want ants for roommates, or how to perfectly roast a marshmallow, or deeper lessons, like what it means to worship at Vespers, or how God created you and how much he loves you. There are many camps around the country and around the world, and no two camps are alike. Some are mountainous and green, some are sandy and yellow, some have cabins, others tents. They all have different traditions too. Some camps do polar bear swims, lane walks, sacred campfires, or Olympic competitions. While these camps are different in so many ways, there's one thing almost all camps have in common, discomfort. Whether you are a religious or secular camp, a key part of your programming is teaching people how to overcome and adapt to discomfort. This is the difference between camping and retreats. Camping is structured around discomfort, and retreats cater to comfort. I'm not saying that one is better than the other per se, but simply that retreats serve a different function than camping. Retreats are for rest and relaxation, and camping is for growth and adventure, which is often less comfortable than retreats. But discomfort is not a bad thing. In fact, it is the foundational ingredient for adventure. In 2022, the Outdoor Ministry Association of the Church of the Brethren held their annual conference at Brethren Woods in Virginia. The theme for the week was Camp as the Adventure of a Lifetime, and we reflected on what adventure was, the adventures we had faced in our lives and at camp, and what they taught us and how they made us grow. The keynote speaker, Lester Zook, a former outdoor ministry professor at Eastern Mennonite University, helped us define adventure. Adventure must have three things, a challenge or discomfort, an unknown outcome or mystery, and influence over the outcome or hope. But just as important as knowing what adventure is, is knowing what it is not. A challenge with mystery, but lacking hope is not an adventure. It's a disaster, like a tornado or a sudden tragedy. A challenge with hope, but without mystery, is not an adventure, it's a liver shiver. 
like a roller coaster or a scary movie. Within this, there are certain thresholds of adventure that we must be aware of. This is what Lester describes as, and what I like to call, the Three Rings of Adventure. No, this is not a sequel to Tolkien's famous trilogy, but rather a way of understanding how adventure helps us grow. There are three concentric circles. The center circle is our comfort zone. This is where most people gravitate naturally. This is where we settle down, make our homes, and build our lives because it is predictable and stable. The next circle outwards is the growth zone. This is what happens when we push ourselves outside of our comfort zones and into adventure. We are not comfortable, but we are learning and growing at a far quicker pace than we do in our comfort zone. The outer circle is the panic zone. This is when we are pushed so far out of our comfort zone and out of our growth zone that adventure actually becomes detrimental. We panic, get anxious, depressed, feel hopeless and out of control. This is not a zone we want to stay in either. The goal of adventure is to find the balance between comfort and panic and find growth in the middle. And I believe this is the goal of camp in general as well. However, it is important to recognize and respect that the thresholds of these zones are different for everyone. When some people go to camp, they are seeking a disruption from their daily routine in the comfort zone to find something more. However, there are some people who come to camp for the opposite. They live in a panic zone and camp is a place where they can be challenged and learn new things without the fear and anxiety they have at home. Regardless of what brings campers to camp, all camps, if they are working properly, should have this goal, to create a safe place for growth. But I believe Christian camp has an even greater calling still, using adventure to grow in faith and trust in God. Our goal in Christian camping should not be to avoid the things that make us scared and uncomfortable, but with wisdom and preparation, enter the unknown fearlessly, trusting that God will walk with us hand in hand along the way. While organized camping in the U.S. has only been around since the late 1800s, this concept of using camp to grow in faith through challenges and adventure is not new and is as ancient as the Bible itself. In the Bible, there are many scriptures that talk about the importance of camping for individual, communal, and spiritual growth. In scripture, what I'm referring to as camping is often called the wilderness as well. And these wilderness experiences in the Bible were pivotal moments in character development and faith growth. In Genesis 32, when Jacob was preparing to encounter his brother, who he thought was coming to kill him, he sent his family across the river to safety and spent the night camping along the other side of the river by himself. There he wrestles with an angel and that is where he receives his new name, Israel, because he wrestled with God and overcame. However, it does not seem like he overcame. The angel dislocated his hip, and afterwards he walked with a limp. But the lesson here is that we do not overcome challenges by our own strength alone, but by surrendering and putting our trust in God. This new name was not just significant to Jacob, but this name defined an entire nation of people and still endorsed today. This all happened at a location Jacob aptly called Mahanaim, God's camp. 
At our 2022 OMA conference, we had an opportunity to put what we learned about adventure into practice by going on a caving expedition. I had never been caving before, and a colleague of mine was just as inexperienced as me, but I was inspired by his adventurous attitude when he was faced with the challenge to overcome. As Lester explained the tunnels in the cave we would crawl through and what we needed to do, his first response was often, I'm terrified. I'll go first. He did not allow his fear to trap him in one place, but rather allowed it to propel him into growth, trusting the wisdom of the leader, his own ability, and most of all, God's love and provision to teach him along the way. Without the guidance of Lester and faith in God, he would have never been able to go anywhere. It was his act of faith, entering the unknown fearlessly, trusting that God would be with him, that enabled him to overcome those challenges. Later on in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the Israelites were escaping Egypt to head towards the Promised Land, but spent 40 years in the wilderness as God was preparing them, teaching them, and refining them before they would be ready to enter. They lived and worshipped in tents and tabernacles for this entire time in the wilderness. Through this, the Israelites learned to rely on God for provision and guidance, and as a result, God commanded them to celebrate a holiday that would commemorate this time in Leviticus 23, so they would always remember the lessons they learned in the wilderness. This was called the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot, and was one of the seven commanded festivals in the book of Leviticus. Part of the celebration involves setting up a temporary shelters and living and eating in them for seven days to remember the 40 years the Israelites spent in the wilderness. Doesn't that sound a little bit like what we do when we go to camp? If this type of festival was important enough to be a Levitical command to the Israelites, then God seems pretty serious about the importance of setting aside time to disconnect from ordinary life, to take time to refocus on what's really important. At Camp Mardella, campers get the opportunity to separate from the world and reflect on the deserts God has brought them through as well. And sometimes just knowing that we are not alone in our struggles brings us comfort. In the past couple years, a lot of campers have come to camp and experienced separation anxiety. After staying in their homes and not going out for such a long period of time during their formative years, going to camp was a big leap for a lot of campers. We had one camper who was very homesick and anxious the first couple nights of camp. We typically do not allow campers to call home in order to foster their own independence and to build relationships with their community at camp. But on the second night, we realized that we needed to let her call home. She was sobbing, but her father spoke calmly and encouragingly to her, saying how much she was going to grow from this experience and that he was proud of her but she still felt so alone. The next day, her counselors decided to have a cabin devotion and opened up about the things they were struggling with. This girl opened up about her homesickness with her cabin. And to her surprise, other cabin mates were struggling with things too, at home, at school, at church, etc. Suddenly, she was not ashamed of her struggle, but felt a sense of camaraderie now with her cabin mates and could now be open with them, and they could mutually support each other through their struggles. True Christian community is so much more than coming together in times of joy and celebration. It is also coming together to remember past struggles, to hold each other as we cry, 
and to support each other as we overcome challenges. Even Jesus spent some time camping during his earthly ministries. He spent 40 days in the wilderness fasting and praying in preparation for his ministry in Matthew 4, and frequently was found separating from the disciples to pray and worship in the solitude of nature. In these times, he was able to rest and refocus on his mission, resisting temptation and strengthening himself to continue to spread the gospel throughout Israel. He even called his disciples to camp with him in Matthew 10, asking them to only bring along the necessary supplies and to trust God for provision along their journey. He tells us in Matthew 11:28 through 30, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He urges those he preaches to to lighten their load, to untether themselves from worldly distractions, and to fully trust in him, and he will bring peace and rest. In the U.S., we are privileged with many things we take for granted, running water, heat and air conditioning, sanitary bathroom facilities, and more. We have a hard time understanding how the rest of the world lives when we live in so much comfort. Jesus called his disciples to humble themselves and willingly live as those on the fringes of society in order to reach them. Jesus, in the ultimate act of humility, came down from his throne in heaven to live as a human being in order to serve them and have compassion on them. I think we learn a similar lesson through camp. We become better global citizens when we realize that life is not this comfortable for everyone. It's also important to learn that in many ways, we have way more than we actually need and live often in extreme excess. How could we be better stewards of our resources if we simplified the way we live so that someone else can have more? As a counselor at Camp Sotara, my very first camp job, we played a game called Romans and Christians, which was supposed to be a fun tag sort of game played at the wilderness adventure camp called Mountainside. You had to hide from the Romans who would persecute you if you were caught, and you would try to find Jesus among some false prophets scattered throughout the woods. We typically played this game in the dark, and I remember hiding in the woods with a couple campers, and one little girl was terrified of this game because she realized that this wasn't just a game. This was how some people actually lived. They hid and risked their lives to find Jesus. As I thought about this, I tried to comfort her. I reminded her that even though this is scary and people around the world are persecuted for their faith, even today, that God's love is far greater than the power of human beings. His grace goes beyond this physical world and into eternity, so we don't have to fear what will happen in this world when we put our trust in Jesus, because we know that seeking him is an eternal pursuit and is more valuable than anything we can have in this world. I doubt that this depth of faith would have been created in this girl had she not experienced it through this seemingly silly little camp game. In a world that is so busy, loud, and confusing, camping is more important than ever. Our children need time to unplug and experience the peace of nature. They also need to get out of their comfort zones and learn that they can live with a lot less than they think they need. They need to meet new people who will teach them and challenge them in new ways and learn to be good stewards by living together in community. And quite frankly, as adults, we need a lot of these things too. 
We need more time to be able to separate ourselves from our busy lives and be reminded that all things are in God's hands. I have been honored to serve at Camp Mardella and see how campers have grown in faith and knowledge of God through their experiences at camp. Working at camp is not always easy, and it has its own challenges. But like any good adventure, overcoming these challenges and seeing God's testimonies through them makes every struggle worth it. When I moved to Camp Mardella in January 2021, I began praying a bold prayer that God would never let me be comfortable so that I would always have to rely on him. And boy, has God been faithful to that prayer. In 2021, we faced the challenge of running the camp through a pandemic. We did not have summer camp in 2020, and my first year was the first summer we were having camp since the shutdown. We still had many restrictions on camp, had to run most camps as day camps and modify camp operations, while still dealing with the unknown elements of a pandemic that was still circulating the globe. Then in 2022, camps were nearly back to their normal operation, but still with some COVID policies in place. We were excited to have all overnight camps again when another challenge hit. We had a devastating windstorm in July of 2022 that took down hundreds of trees, at least 50 of which we had to cut and move ourselves in order to clear the roads and paths at camp while trying to figure out if we could run the following three weeks of camp. This summer, we finally felt like we were back to normal. We had both winter retreats and all overnight and were able to remove nearly all of the COVID protocols. But we had another struggle, staff and volunteers. There were weeks of camp where we were not sure we would get enough volunteers to be able to run the camp, which was a heartbreaking thought because we were finally seeing our camper numbers increase after summer camp had been shut down in 2020. We wanted to make sure that every camper who wanted to come had the opportunity to, but that required more staff and volunteers than we had needed in the past two years. Even though we've had some struggles in the past three years, God has brought us through all of them. We were able to get the health and sanitation supplies needed to run a camp under the 2021 COVID restrictions, and we're blessed to not have a single case of COVID at camp that summer. In the storm of 2022, the night it hit in less than an hour, nearly 30 volunteers showed up with chainsaws to help clear the lane. And over the course of the next several days, over 100 volunteers came to help with the cleanup efforts to ensure that we could run the remaining camp programs that summer. The speed of that cleanup was truly a miracle. And in 2023, at the last minute, God was always able to provide the staff and volunteers we needed to run camp. Some people were willing to take days off of work, come for evenings and partial weeks to help make sure that these campers got the camp experience they deserved. We rely almost exclusively on volunteer help to run our camp programs, and we were so grateful that so many people believed in the value of camp enough to sacrifice their own time and resources to make it possible. To me, seeing how God has helped us overcome these challenges and seeing the fruit God is producing in so many campers' lives is a testament to his blessing of this kind of ministry. One of my favorite camp stories happened three years ago, my first summer at Camp Mardella, when we had a me and you camp. It's a camp where campers can come with their parents for a short weekend. During this camp, on a Friday night, we walked up to the pavilion at the end of the night to look at the stars before heading to bed. I was walking with one of the young campers. He was very talkative and loved to sing. So we got along great. We sang some great camp songs 
Benny and the Jets. And then he started to sing a song I hadn't heard in a while. I want to know you. I want to hear your voice. I want to know you more. I tried to sing along as I was remembering the words. I asked him why he wanted to sing that song, and he said, because I want to know you more. I thought he was talking about me, and I was flattered. I said if he comes back to camp, he could get to know lots of people at camp better. But then he clarified, no, not you, Jesus. I then responded and said that there is so much to learn about Jesus that he could spend the rest of his life learning about him and not run out of things to learn. At that point, we arrived at the pavilion and were looking at the stars, and all I could do was say a prayer of gratitude. This camper who was barely in kindergarten through this worship song genuinely wanted to get to know Jesus better and was getting to learn about him at camp. There are countless campers who come to know saving faith in Jesus Christ through their time at camp. Some are introduced to his love for the first time at camp. Some are called to greater service and ministry through their time at camp. Walt Wilczek gave a message at family camp in 2021 and spoke about thin spaces, places where God feels closer and more tangible. He explained that camp is one of these thin spaces to him and to so many others. Even though God is always with us, Whenever we live so closely and intimately with his creation at camp, form relationships within a new community, and overcome adventures and challenges, we grow in faith because we see God working so much more obviously when we remove the distractions from our daily lives and put our trust in him for that short time we are at camp. This echoes the refrain from Isaiah 2, 3 through 5. Many peoples will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The law will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war anymore. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Although God is not contained on the mountains or in the thin spaces, it is in these spaces we gather to learn about him, seek peace, and serve one another in light and love. There is something so organically spiritual about living in the wilderness in Christian community. Sitting around a campfire, singing old hymns, and washing each other's feet, or sitting around a table and serving each other food and helping to clean and be good stewards of these shared spaces. It makes me think of the early church in Acts. These early Christians would meet in homes, not in churches or temples, and their worship was not just studying the scriptures and singing, but serving each other and their communities. In Acts 4, 32 through 35, this is illustrated beautifully. All the believers were one in heart and mind, no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. This is how we live life at camp and how I believe we should strive to live in the church as well.
This church was shaped like a circle. Then, once formal church buildings were erected, church began to collapse into a group of people walking into a building, all facing one direction to hear one person speak to them, and then leave without a word. This church is shaped like a line. I think Kent brings us back to this early understanding of Christianity, that it is so much more than silently receiving the word of God from a stranger in a pulpit, but to respond to the word in mutual study, conversation, and service. I think if our churches started to look more like camp, a circle, and less like a concert, a line, we will see a revival of genuine faith in the world. Camp Mardella celebrated their 75th anniversary this year, and we got to have wonderful presentations and displays of camp history at family camp over Labor Day weekend as we remembered where Camp Mardella started, how it's grown, and how it can continue to grow. I'm currently working on writing a history book about Camp Mardella from the many archives we have detailing its rich history. In preparing to put this history into writing, I've been speaking with many people who played vital roles in camp's development. One of these people was Pat Ecker. One day she came into my office while I had historical documents strewn across the floor, and she reminisced about her time as camp administrator in the 80s and 90s. She told me a story of a camper who was coming to camp for the first time. The camper was so excited to be there, but the mom was nervous. She had never been apart from her son from this long and was feeling some separation anxiety. At this moment, Pat encouraged her, saying that the love she had for her child was evident. She said, you have given him good roots. Let us give him wings. To me, this story summarizes why camp is so important for our growth as individuals and in our faith. Quite simply, it gives us wings. Getting wings is not always easy. It is something that must grow, and eventually there comes a point when we need to fly, and we need to take that leap of faith into God's adventures for our lives and trust that he will carry us. And birds do not live alone, but fly together in formation, supporting each other as they migrate through life's challenges together. And Camp Mardella is not the only place doing this. The Church of the Brethren is blessed to have so many camps represented through the Outdoor Ministries Association and so many amazing camps around the country who are helping our kids get wings as well. If you are listening to this and are remembering the profound spiritual lessons you learned at camp, or maybe you never got that opportunity but want to experience it for yourself or give that experience to another child, I encourage you to support these local camps you can give financial gifts or volunteer your time as a counselor during camp or on service days. You can share about your camp in your community and invite people to join in the ways God is teaching us to grow and serve together. And you can pray. Pray that these camps can continue to serve faithfully as spiritual oases in our crazy world and that those who need its refreshing waters can come. I wholeheartedly believe in the importance of this ministry for the world and hope that you will join me in praying and supporting this ministry and that you can be blessed by it as well. Camp Mardella celebrated their 75th anniversary this year and we got to have wonderful presentations and displays of camp history at family camp over Labor Day weekend as we remembered where Camp Mardella started, how it's grown, and how it can continue to grow. I'm currently working on writing a history book about Camp Mardella
from the many archives we have detailing its rich history. In preparing to put this history into writing, I've been speaking with many people who played vital roles in camp's development. One of these people was Pat Ecker. One day she came into my office while I had historical documents strewn across the floor, and she reminisced about her time as camp administrator in the 80s and 90s. She told me a story of a camper who was coming to camp for the first time. The camper was so excited to be there, but the mom was nervous. She had never been apart from her son from this long and was feeling some separation anxiety. At this moment, Pat encouraged her, saying that the love she had for her child was evident. She said, you have given him good roots. Let us give him wings. To me, this story summarizes why camp is so important for our growth as individuals and in our faith. Quite simply, it gives us wings. Getting wings is not always easy. It is something that must grow. And eventually there comes a point when we need to fly and we need to take that leap of faith into God's adventures for our lives and trust that he will carry us. And birds do not live alone, but fly together in formation, supporting each other as they migrate through life's challenges together. And Camp Mardella is not the only place doing this. The Church of the Brethren is blessed to have so many camps represented through the Outdoor Ministries Association and so many amazing camps around the country who are helping our kids get wings as well. If you are listening to this and are remembering the profound spiritual lessons you learned at camp, or maybe you never got that opportunity but want to experience it for yourself or give that experience to another child, I encourage you to support these local camps you can give financial gifts or volunteer your time as a counselor during camp or on service days. You can share about your camp in your community and invite people to join in the ways God is teaching us to grow and serve together. And you can pray. Pray that these camps can continue to serve faithfully as spiritual oasises in our crazy world and that those who need its refreshing waters can come. I wholeheartedly believe in the importance of this ministry for the world and hope that you will join me in praying and supporting this ministry and that you can be blessed by it as well. I think of camp as a critical piece of faith formation for many of the reasons Jen states, particularly when she mentions thin spaces. In some circles, it's called a liminal experience, a time taken out of your everyday life that revolves completely around God. Camps are a perfect place for that because we are completely centering our lives around God for however long we are at camp. As adults, we might call such an experience a spiritual retreat. When we take the time to be in nature with God, we learn not just about God, but about ourselves. This is not just a Christian idea. Most religions have some way of connecting God to creation and withdrawing from our hectic lives. But it is a Christ-like idea. When most of us think about Jesus, we think about him in crowds, talking to people, healing them. But Jesus is also a perfect role model for retreat. We hear about many times when Jesus took time to be with God, and when Jesus wanted to be alone with God, he did it outside. 
One of the most spiritually stunning experiences I have had was when I was visiting Camp Myrtlewood in Oregon. The trees were so tall and I felt so small. The rain was always drizzling down and the river running through camp was lush with fish. Camp is a place that defies words because it is God's magnificent writ large around us. But I think the most important part of camp's mission is the intentional faith formation, not the passive faith formation that simply happens by being in the woods. Camp is like an intensive course in college. You have a short period of time to complete a lot of learning and somehow the learning is joyful at camp. How often in our lives do we find studying to be joyful? But when we go to camp, we are praying constantly. We are spending multiple times a day studying the Bible and we are praising God through music and laughter. What better kind of revival could we ask for? Jennifer suggests that the church would be more genuinely faithful if it were more like camp, a circle. And the early churches were indeed like that, small groups meeting in houses instead of giant, slowly emptying buildings. In those days, not having enough space was the problem. As we get older, fewer and fewer opportunities come up for summer camp, and seemingly, for liminal experiences. And it makes me wonder how we can get back to that, back to the simple experiences of gentle envelopment in beautiful spaces or the closeness of those early house churches. Maybe it means taking our churches out of the buildings, outdoor worship services when the weather permits or Bible studies taking place in private homes with potluck snacks meditation spaces and quiet gardens, walking groups that go to beautiful parks and trails. But what else comes from taking church out of the building? Giving to others. For example, Camp Mardello runs largely on volunteers, from counselors to maintenance workers. It has a scholarship fund to help cover the cost of the week for kids who wouldn't otherwise be able to attend. Even campers do service projects. What similar things can we as churches do? The Church of the Brethren has been working on a campaign called Jesus in the Neighborhood, which involves resources and inspiration for congregations looking to take their ministry from Sunday's worship-centered to Christ-centered giving back to those in need. You can find more information at brethren.org slash neighborhood tools. But what I'm hearing as I listen to more and more of these stories is that when we take Jesus out of the sanctuary, that's when church comes alive. But that sort of thinking is often met with resistance as we try to work new ideas into existing rhythms, structures, and budgets. The question that may be asked is, what are we getting out of it? How does it benefit us? I'm not sure the best way to phrase, we get to come alive again, in a way that doesn't sound like an inspirational greeting card. But when we structure our churches to exist solely in the sanctuary, we've stopped growing.
And if you aren't growing, even if every member stays, you will eventually die. That's dire, isn't it? But we're talking about the survival of our faith here. Now is the time for radical change. We know from scripture that if we aren't bearing kingdom fruit, we will be ripped out. As much as we love our church buildings and our worship services on Sunday, are those really producing kingdom fruits? After all, isn't camp a perfect illustration of how to change the world instead of being left behind? As new campers walk through the door, they subtly change the way that camp looks, feels, and runs. Over time, camp has evolved to fit the needs of today's campers, not the campers of the 50s and 60s. That's because of the young people. When we only interact with people our own age or older, we miss out on learning the way the world will be in 10 years. Perhaps the question we should start asking our youth is, if you could start a church, what would it look like? Perhaps that's a question we could ask ourselves as well. Ignore what already exists and build a plan from scratch with recklessly joyful envisioning. It sounds radical, but if we can't sound a little radical, who can? Thanks for listening. The Dunker Punks podcast is a group of radical Anabaptists which highlights the voices of young people in the Church of the Brethren. This episode was created by M. Gresh, Jennifer Sumi, and Tyler North. Jacob Kraus creates our music. Ryan Dahmer manages production. Wichita First Church of the Brethren, Long Green Valley Church of the Brethren, Living Stream Church of the Brethren, Warrensburg Church of the Brethren, Beacon Heights Church of the Brethren, Arlington Church of the Brethren, and Honor Peace sponsor the show. Have you ever wanted to be part of a podcast with an incredible team? The churches we worship in are all about faith formation, but we go beyond the walls of the building to share the thoughts of young people about Jesus we love. We are looking for 20 congregations to sponsor the podcast. If you're interested, email us at dpp at arlingtoncob.org for more details, including an informational packet about congregational sponsorships to share with your church board. We are currently hiring for a communications intern position. The position is part-time, remote, and paid for by On Earth Peace. Current and recent secondary education students are eligible to work with the non-hierarchical team of the Dunker Punks. We're located across the country, and this position will help recruit new voices, get to know the contributors, and help them make connections in their messages. This is a wonderful opportunity to gain professional skills in project production, social media content generation, fundraising, graphic design, and interpersonal communications. You would also have the opportunity to engage in storytelling and spiritual discourse that promotes reflection, action, service, social justice advocacy, and creation care. 
Email us at dpp at arlingtoncov.org for more information, including a job description. Was today's episode inspiring for you? Help us to build the community by sending in your comments and favorite show quotes to dpp at arlingtoncov.org. Engaging with our posts on social media, we are Dunker Punks Pod on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest. In our next episode, Alyssa Parker and Cornelius Raff will be discussing Women's Caucus. This is M. Gresh signing off.